Welcome to the MacVet podcast, the show that talks about communication, cows and coffee. I'm your host, Fiona McGilvery. This episode is the second part of my conversation with body language expert Joe Navarro, where we pick up the discussion about how, as children, we're taught not to stare and how this form of societal conformity can lead to a reduction of our observational skills. During our conversation, Joe reveals what is the best way to interact with an angry person to help calm them down, and explains how our use of nonverbals can offer deep and meaningful reward and recognition to others. We also chat about cows and coffee habits, so without further ado, please keep listening and enjoy this episode. take that away from them it's mm. almost embarrassing yeah i have sat in places and listened to a parent say don't stare mm. when the child was collecting incredibly useful information yeah information that you know it's almost like have you forgotten how synaptic connections are made we have to link one thing with the other. We actually have to spend time and stare at it mm. so that we can decipher it. So then, you know, so that the, the neurons and the axons and everything else can come together and, you know, c- create new connections before the brain begins to prune Right, the, the, we're, we're born with the penultimate amount of brain material that we're going to have, and then we, the brain begins to prune. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get all that information in there quickly, mm-hmm. we 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 are we are approaching that point where okay, now the brain is pruning, literally cutting things out, and. Um, and, I, and I've seen, uh, you know, uh, children doing uh, things creatively on paper. And, of course, uh, somebody has to come along and say, no, we got to mm-hmm. add two plus two mm-hmm. or uh, worse, uh, do algebra. Uh, I'm still, I'm 70 years old. I'm still waiting for that first time when <laughs> I have to do algebra. Um and uh, no offense to teachers, uh, teachers are, are, are important, but um, we actually train children to become less observant. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, when you go, as I did, into the Amazon, you don't see that. Mm-hmm. Because those children uh need to be in tune with their environment it, it, those children don't need algebra 
What they do need to do is observe the moisture in the air. They need to listen to the different birds that are calling out and what are they saying. They need to pay attention to the ground as they walk. Um, even their feet are wider because they don't have to wear shoes. Hmm. And so they can sense vibrations in their feet. Mm -hmm. um, they read each other's body language as they hunt in such exquisite detail. Mm -hmm. So that when the first person in the lead sees or senses something, through nonverbals, he communicates that without having to turn around and say, did you catch that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's none of that. There's none of that. Mm. There are pure, unbelievable, accurate observations. No one has told them to look away. No one has told them not to stare. And when you, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, sort of an amateur anthropologist, when you walk into a village, by all means, stare. <laughs> stare away. Yeah. I'm different. Mm. Get it all down. Clothing, watch, possessions, everything. And, mm. uh, but what do we unfortunately do? Oh, don't, don't stare. It's, yeah, don't, don't do that. So we, um, we teach them uh, to become inferior observers. And now with the uh, internet and mobile devices, uh, it's even worse. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I mean, how many videos do we have to see of somebody uh, looking at their iPhone <laughs> and walking into cars, yeah. uh, walking off a bridge, uh, there's one here in Orlando where the guy walked out and uh, straight in front of him was an alligator. There was another one where there's a bear. Oof. And, and wow. It's, and it's, and, it's, and, um, yeah. and you, you watch, uh, you watch uh, young people uh, interacting and they'll be in the same room, but they're texting to each other. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're growing a generation that... Um, doesn't know how to observe mm, and, uh, and doesn't know how to decipher the world around them unless somebody explains it to them. Mm. So I no, forget what your question scary. was. Yeah. Well, I was hoping there might be some, uh, uh, some light at the end of this <laughs> dismal tumult. I, I agree with well, that, everything you're saying. It's scaring, but the light, you... in, <laughs> the light at the end of this tunnel, uh, yeah. now I remember your question is, <laughs> that you can be taught what to look for. I, mm -hmm. I have, I have uh, taught teenagers, I have taught adults. You know, when you teach a, a person, if you see somebody purse their lips in the forward position, you know that they are disagreeing with you or they're thinking something alternatively. Mm -hmm. And if they have those lips in that forward purse position, but then they dramatically pull them to the side, then it's something negative. Once you learn that, right, mm -hmm. uh, you, you can use that. Mm -hmm. uh, you can use that in your life. Um, if you see somebody steepling their hands, you know that they're confident. Mm -hmm. Now, they may be wrong, but they're confident. Um, so there's all sorts of things that we can learn, uh, right? So my first book, 
um, uh, with, on body language what everybody is saying, mm. um, which, um, well, I, I guess I, I, I can say it only because I just told my mother two days ago uh, it has, uh, has sold a million copies worldwide. Wow, wow. amazing. Um, had uh well it's one of those lucky things uh, uh i certainly didn't expect it um but i think the 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 reason people liked it is there were 186 behaviors that you could focus on mm. which you know hey i've seen it but i don't know what it means i've performed it but i don't know why i perform it right mm. yeah um and then when the dictionary of body language came out with 410, I think, uh, behaviors, people were like, oh, there's more? <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do you use it? How do you employ it, right? So if, if, you, if you want your children to talk to you, don't stand directly in front of them. Angle away mm -hmm. uh, or sit beside them or tilt your head it increases the chance that somebody will be willing to talk to you. Um, I learned that by talking to criminals. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we, you know, what's the benefit of nonverbals is, well, you can read others better, but you can also deploy it as, mm -hmm. as tools to, for instance, calm people down. Right. So if, if you, uh, I, I have a, uh, 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 a mentee, uh, actually she's a business partner, uh, Anna Marcha Aoud in the behavior company, and she goes out and experiments on things. And, and uh, she was conducting this experiment based on some of my work of how do you, how do you calm people down when they're angry? And she mm -hmm. had an opportunity to test it out. And the, the first thing is you never tell somebody that's angry calm down mm. <laughs> red rag to that. a bull yeah um and uh so the methodology is which she tested out and it worked perfectly uh not because of any genius on my part because i've seen it work is mm. you take a step back you take a step to the side and you exhale and you tilt your head and you say what is it that you need right now? Mm. And there, uh, uh, the, you're using the nonverbals to create distance, uh, angles, head tilt, which uh, makes people feel more comfortable, and then the verbal aspect of it, um, using prosody, a calm voice, to get them to calm down. Mm -hmm. That's why we study nonverbals, because nonverbals can potentiate your message. Mm -hmm. You know, I get this uh, question from uh, uh, a lot of people uh, in, in the financial sector. How do we get more clients and how do we keep them? Hmm. How do we reward a client? Most people don't realize that the, the greatest reward we, we give to our friends and to clients is nonverbally. Hmm. not with money not with you know when, when i go to the bank i don't want to, you know i remember in the 70s uh, if you were a good client they they'd give you a toaster wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> at one time i had seven of them i could i could i could 
provide toast for a football team. Um, mm. All I wanted was somebody to, when I walked in, say, good morning, sir. How may I help you? And that was mm -hmm. good enough. Uh, but they felt obligated to uh, give me a, 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 a toaster. Um, they didn't quite get that right. Um, and, Which is, and you, yeah. And you realize yeah. that when you understand the human brain, mm. that so much of the reward that we give when we look at a baby, when we smile at a baby, when we nod uh, to a neighbor who has produced a beautiful garden, we don't have to really say anything. We just give mm. them a nod like, wow, this looks gorgeous. Uh, we have rewarded them, uh, yeah. but principally non-verbally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I think like like you're implying there it it's so much more powerful isn't it the impact it has on you to receive that i think you refer to it as validation in, in be exceptional uh, your latest book um, the the um, most powerful thing that we can do is validate others uh, their mm -hmm. hard work their what they've uh, what they've striven for and so forth and uh, i think that's a word sorry english is my second language <laughs> um and um and 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 uh, you know to exclaim to to put emotions behind our words to um to show confidence mm -hmm. um ask any child you know and say look tough <laughs> and and watch how they do it and then yeah. you say look like a winner hmm. and it's interesting how they will um, master the behaviors mm -hmm. and then ask yourself why would we be able to do these things mm -hmm. if it wasn't important mm -hmm. and it's because we are uh, innately prepared to uh, demonstrate we are a demonstrative species mm -hmm. uh, so much more so than um, e even our uh, our nearest uh, cousins uh, who genetically are only two uh, two genes away from us when we look at uh, at the great apes uh, we're, we're far more demonstrative than we are in many areas mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it's a big part of our, our lives. So I, I tell people, you know, don't study nonverbals because there's a book or two out there. Study nonverbals because it's the primary means by which we communicate, mm -hmm. and it is what you were not taught in school, mm -hmm. and you should have been taught in school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask you to give me a bit more background about something that I've used in some of my own sort of trainings with with vets working with farmers about when they're maybe having difficult conversations um, because of course a lot of nonverbal behaviors are subconscious uh, responses to emotional or, or emotions that were that are being experienced and I know you have a lovely way of putting it simply which is whether, you know, can you recognize if someone's feeling comfort or discomfort? And I just wondered if you could maybe tell me a bit more about that, please. Yeah, so early on 
in my study of nonverbals, uh, this goes back to uh, even before 71. This is I still in high school, so 68, 69, I was observing people. And one of the things I, I found was that, um, you know, we transmit in real time whether we're comfortable or uncomfortable. It's as simple as that. And uh, obviously, after I studied more, uh, I came to the conclusion that it had to be that way, that we are a binary species, that a baby is born and it is either crying or content. Uh, it is um, either agitated or it is placid. And, um, and, and, you know, and throughout our lives, we reveal... Uh, whether it's through blood pressure increasing, whether it's through the throbbing veins, whether it's uh, somebody having to ventilate themselves by pulling on their, uh, the collar of their shirt, uh, scratching their head, compressing their lips, any number of behaviors that we reveal in real time. Uh, comfort and discomfort and Having done uh, 13,000 interviews uh, in the Bureau where I actually kept the behavioral notes, so I wasn't allowed to keep the notes that dealt with what they said, mm -hmm. but I kept the behavioral notes of, of their behavior. Clearly, humans in an instant, uh, in the same way you see so, you say something embarrassing and somebody's uh, uh, face uh, flushes <laughs> in an instant, we reveal comfort, comfort and discomfort. And so I think at a minimum, um, as I've taught many clinicians, I've taught at the Menninger School of Psych uh, Psychiatry, I've, I've, talked, uh, I've taught at the uh, uh, Northwestern University Medical School. I've taught at um, uh, in Washington D.C. at the National Children's uh, Hospital. I, I I think at a minimum, we need to be able to, as clinicians, be able to read: Do we see comfort and discomfort? And um, and obviously, uh, when you bring in an animal and you're stressed, you're going to see a high degree of comfort of discomfort. But uh, you're also going to see uh, varying degrees of discomfort uh, depending on the things that you do and say and how you say it. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, I, and, I, and I think that's part of our responsibility as professionals is to not be clueless, but to be able to read others so that we can communicate uh, more effectively. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. No, and thank you for explaining that because I think it's a really fundamental learning, as you've already explained in your trainings with uh, with clinicians, and and hopefully as we speak more to more vets, you know, to to uh, help them appreciate just how important just something that sounds quite simple, but it's really powerful to become more aware of. Um, it's really useful to, to keep that in mind, isn't it, in conversations. Um, Joe, looking back over your actually many careers so far, what has surprised you most about human behaviour? Um, <clears throat> wow, that's a profound question. 
uh, I, I think what stands out is uh, how in the aggregate, uh, humans are quite predictable. We can look at 100 people and we can predict pretty much what they're going to do when this happens or that happens. Um, but at the granular individual level, how complex uh, humans are, that um, there are an infinite uh, amount of things that uh, affect humans um, from uh, from the DNA, right? We know that from the studies of twins to the biological infirmities and so forth to the epigenetic, right? <laughs> um, to um, social, psychological, um, uh, all sorts of, uh, of pressures. And that makes for... Uh, for very complex individuals. So it, it's just interesting to me that in the aggregate, we can pretty much predict what a tribe will do, what a, uh, a group of 12 teenagers will do and so <laughs> forth. But on an individual level, um, uh, humans are, uh, are, are extremely uh, uh, complex. E even though we, we have certain things right uh, you know everybody likes their ego stroked and nobody <laughs> likes to be s criticized and so forth but beyond some basic things um, there are a lot of things that um, that affect us and uh, and and we're quite uh, the other thing is how um, how gullible humans are <laughs> yeah um, we know that some animals are gullible um, we, we know that from the work of uh, Franz Duval um, at the, in Atlanta working with uh, primates. Uh, but humans are incredibly gullible, mm. uh, which unfortunately predators um, take advantage of. So, mm. yeah. what has been your, what's been your proudest achievement so far? Uh, making it to 70 uh, <laughs> when I, you know, I joke when I, I was telling my daughter the other day when I was in my, I was like 18 or 19, uh, you know, people in their 70s were considered uh, quite, uh, quite a remarkable thing. I said, oh, you made it to the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, uh, but seriously, I, uh, and, and going through everything that I went through, uh, mm -hmm. going through a revolution in Cuba, uh, finding a country that would take me in, um, succeeding in school, getting stabbed uh, in high school, um, uh, being on so many SWAT operations in the FBI that could have gone wrong and uh, falling out of a helicopter, all, all sorts of things that have happened over the years, getting shot at and, uh, and, and so forth. Um, I, I, I think the, you know, you, you keep that in mind, but I think the greatest uh, achievement has, for me personally, has been um, one, having a, a, a good family, but secondly, uh, keeping the curiosity um, mm. that I had as a child 
uh, and not allowing uh, anyone to interfere with that as I um, as I grew older. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, you, you said it earlier, I celebrated the day I graduated from college by going down to the local library and getting my, my, uh, my library card and telling myself, now I get to read and educate myself the way that I want. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to read these, uh, these books that were written by the professor and were, were mandatory reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then it just exploded uh, f uh, from there, and um, and I s I'm still pretty good at uh, keeping up. I you know I try to read two books a week. Uh, yeah. Some weeks I'm fall behind. Other weeks I I can read three or four. But I try to um, keep that curiosity that that I had as a child. And I think. Looking back on my life, I, I'm glad I never lost that. Oh, my God, how boring life would be if all I mm -hmm. did was look at television. So, uh, yeah, I've, you know, I, I've been fortunate. I've been lucky many times. I, you know, lucked out finding a publisher that wanted to write uh, or publish on body language. And, um, so um, mm -hmm. th these aren't things that I accomplished by myself. Um, many People influence me, uh, but I I think yeah I think the greatest achievement is uh, is that that I never lost curiosity and then that I could share that knowledge mm -hmm. um, that I was uh, I had the skill set to share that knowledge in a way with others to make it interesting. So mm -hmm. really well put, yeah. And I know you're always giving me uh, a great reading lists. Um, or great book choices for me to to catch up on but um i fear well, i'm Fiona, way if behind I didn't do that if i didn't do that then you'd be calling me so um. <laughs> very good point <laughs> yes that is but so i true. love I, uh, I, I i i i love talking to you it's we, we have great conversation and we talk we talk sciencey stuff nobody we likes do. to talk sciencey stuff well, you, you threw me when you asked me about cranial nerves. Gosh, that was so way back in my uh, years ago. Yes, at vet school. But it so. wasn't a hard question. Is, you know, where exactly True. does the fifth yeah. cranial nerve innervate <laughs> uh, yeah. both, uh, you know, the, in, the, in the facial areas, but then, uh, you know, going back to the brainstem and the pons. Come on, you, you yeah. know that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, people are wondering these people yeah. have this kind bizarre of bizarre conversations <laughs> yeah very do. true i know but and then we it. talk about yeah. coffee this is true i was going to say well before that i would like you to uh, to uh, talk publicly about what you mentioned to me about your experience with cows because i am excited that you're able to bring something to the cows and coffee our final two elements of the conversation <laughs> Yeah, so having grown up in a city, right, Miami, uh, uh -huh. which wasn't really known for its uh, cows. No, no. Uh, uh, although, interestingly enough, people don't know this, that the largest uh, cattle uh, farm in the United States uh, used to be, may still be there, was in central Florida, not Texas. Really? Uh, they had the largest amount of, uh, of, uh, of cows. Yeah, because it was flat. 
mm-hmm. um, and uh, a lot of vegetation. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experience with cows is, uh, uh, you know, visiting zoos with petting zoos with my daughter, and then every uh, when I moved out west with the FBI, every chance I I had, I would. Uh, you know, befriend a farmer and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of weird when you say, can I pet your cow? <laughs> you no. know, it's like, <laughs> they look at you like, oh, you poor deprived city <laughs> dweller, <laughs> you know, and, um, uh, because, it, you know, it, it, it's like, uh, not only did I want to pet them, I wanted to smell them and I wanted mm-hmm. to see how they react. And I learned, I learned especially when I was in Switzerland, because out west, it's so hot. When mm. I was in Switzerland, I didn't know that cows were so playful. They, yeah. will, they, they, will, they will mimic you. So I, I stood on one side of the fence, and I, I sort of uh, uh, strode sideways, and, uh, and this young cow wanted to, uh, to do the same, and mm. uh, they, they love to, uh, uh, you know, if you're friendly with them, uh, nuzzle up, and uh, I had one that um, uh, just invited itself to my hand and then suckled <laughs> while uh-huh. I talked to it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I it, for me, it was yeah, it's a uh, it was a great experience of just um, spending a little time um, w- with a different species. And and seeing what they're sensitive to, mm-hmm. and I was surprised at um, how well they read uh, body language. Mm, that's a very good um, point. Yeah, yeah. Which really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we know that a lot of animals will mimic each other, um, mm-hmm. but um, the extent of that and. Um, you know, who they should approach and who they should avoid. That's yeah. all nonverbal. It was interesting. Yeah. No, I'm still oh. s- uh, sort of skittish of do- uh, horses because I got thrown mm, a couple of that's times. Understandable, uh, yeah. No, thank you for sharing your cow experiences because often our listeners are asking for more cow content, so appreciate that. Um, and could you tell me a little about your coffee habits, please, Joe? Ah, well, well, which we have chatted we, about before, <laughs> which we have chatted about. Well, having been born in Cuba, mm. or as they say here, Cuba. Uh, so having been born in Cuba from the time I can remember, it was cafe con leche. I mean, mm. I think I was like three years old and I was already being served uh, coffee with milk. And uh, to this day, every morning, I, uh, you know, which is no different really than a latte, Mm -hmm. um, but you have that strong Cuban coffee, you have uh, whole milk and, um, you know, cane sugar. And that is your breakfast, in essence, uh, meal with, uh, and in Cuba, we would have the Cuban bread, uh, which if you're not familiar with Cuban bread, go out and get some. and uh, and you, yes, uh, you dip it into the coffee. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a shock to my mother-in-law, but uh, she got over <laughs> it. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. Maybe that's a and British thing, because I was shocked when you told me, and I know obviously all, your lovely wife is British as well, so maybe we're a bit 
well, we're, we're less uh, exposed to such delights, you see. Perhaps that's it. Sample size of two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we don't have a uh, formal tea service. We dig right in with café mm. con leche. and uh, Setting up I'm the day. Happy, Sounds good. A happy man. Sounds I'm good. Happy man. Sounds good. Joe, is there anything else you'd like to share that you feel our listeners would find useful? Um, you know, I, the only thing I would say, and I, you know, is that be aware that um, we are uh, growing up with a generation that is going to be um, lacking in communication skills because they spend so much time uh, texting. Mm-hmm. They're going to be uh, a less observant and b less communicative, and we're already seeing the effects of that. They're less polite, they're less interesting, they're less engaging. And um, anything that you can do to uh, to ameliorate that is is really helpful because it. it um, one of the things I run into, and in, uh, especially in the financial sector, um, I run into. Um, managers and uh, very senior people who will say we're hiring people that know numbers but they don't know how to talk to a client Mm -hmm. and so we have to have remedial classes on how to talk to a client which is like you've got to be kidding Mm -hmm. um because uh, it's uh, people forget we're in the in the in the people business not in the numbers business Mm-hmm. And they just don't know how to talk to them. They don't know how to greet them. They don't know how to make eye contact. They don't know how to. Uh, I, I'll never forget. It was right before I retired from the FBI, and we were putting on an advanced class on interviewing. And I, I said to the class, a very young class, I said, you know, usually um, over the years, uh, I've gotten every spy that I've ever uh, arrested uh, to talk to me. But sometimes mm-hmm. it took uh, three or four hours, and uh, there was an eager hand in the in the front of the class, and I said yes, <laughs> and he and he said, "What do you talk about for three or four hours?" Oh, wow! Uh, yeah, uh, or as mm-hmm. we say in America, whoa! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for yeah setting me right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, it's like mm-hmm. whoa. Excuse me? I have mm-hmm. to explain to you what to talk mm-hmm. to another human about for three or four hours? He's, yeah. yeah. I was like, what do you talk about? How do you keep... And, and, and that was the first time it hit me. Mm-hmm. There's a generation that doesn't know how to uh, uh, engage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's very sad. Yeah. That, that is uh, very sad to hear. And it's affected our ability to... Um, get people to cooperate with us, which is one of the things that the FBI was has always been good at, is getting people to just talk to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't you can't be texting uh, to to everybody. So, mm-hmm. so my challenge for everybody is um, realize that nonverbals are the primary means by which we communicate. Um, it's how we garner trust. It's how we engender trust. Um, and, um, and it's very important in our lives and in the lives of our children. Mm-hmm. Well, it may be a somber point, but it's a really important one to, to end on. Thank you, Joe, uh, emphasizing the importance of communication. So 
I'm sure our, les- our listeners, as I have today, have really enjoyed hearing about your experiences and insights, Joe. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Fiona, it's always a, a pleasure to, uh, to talk to you. And I, I don't think uh, I've ever had a... Interestingly, I've never had a bad conversation with you. It's always been a fun, enlightening uh, <laughs> uh, learning experience. So I, I, I love you these uh, opportunities. And I'm glad you're getting lots of uh, people tuning in and, uh, and, and following you. So. Oh, thank you, Joe. That's a lovely thing to say. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Please follow or subscribe to the show. So you can join me next time when I'll be talking more about communication, cows and coffee.